everyone and welcome to the Slightly Scientific Podcast with me, Oliver, me, Stacey, and me, Finley. So today is really exciting because we are going to be interviewing Imogen McCurley, who has got a degree in biochemistry. So yeah, Stacey, do you want to ask the first question then? So the first question is, what even is biochemistry? So biochemistry is the area of science that explores the chemical processes within and related to living organisms. So biochemistry focuses on the processes happening at a molecular level. So that means it focuses on what's happening inside our cells, um, studying components like proteins, lipids and organelles. Um, It also looks at how cells communicate with each other, for example, in growth or when you're fighting illnesses. Um, biochemists need to understand how the structure of a molecule relates to its function, which allows them to predict how molecules will interact, basically. It's kind of like the chemical reactions inside the cells. Yeah, exactly, because a lot of biology, I guess, focuses on like the bigger things. So yeah, processes are a bit more obvious, but this is really zooming down at the chemistry inside cells, because at the end of the day, everything that drives inside your cells is just chemistry and is reaction. So it's more like, it. Biochemistry is very broad, so you can study the immune system or you can study energetics or you can zoom in as kind of as far as you want to, it, even to like single reactions, but it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so so like yeah. biochemistry, there's something for everyone because it's so, you know, wide. Yeah, exactly. You can, and in, for example, at university, so I went to Exeter, um, but in first year, they kind of give you a broad module. So some chemistry ones, we did like biophysics and stuff, but in your second and third year, you can like, kind of go down whichever avenue you want and there's loads of them so it's a very broad um topic but it basically is the the science that is going on at yeah molecular level really is zooming in to your cells and everything like that that's really cool yeah 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 so how does biochemistry how does it affect us like if it does how does it affect just a normal human being and how they live their life so i say that biochemistry occurs in every aspect of your life whether it be processes in your body or in the world around around you um so these processes occur in every living thing but also i'd say in our interactions between living and non-living things so biochemistry can also be found in synthetic processes for example like drug design so drug design is obviously like a non-living process but because drugs need to be designed to interact with living cells you can study it from a biochemical perspective. So therefore you can use things like enzymes, which you take from living organisms uh, to manipulate and change chemical structures of drugs at like a tiny level, really precisely. So they interact with our bodies in a certain way. Um, Even me speaking right now could be analyzed in in a biochemical way, sort of like your nerve impulses making you talk. You can analyze the different chemicals that are used at your nerve endings. So they're called neurotransmitters. So it can also be used to tackle things like climate change, to make industrial processes more efficient. And it can be also used to explore, like for example, ways to like take carbon out of the atmosphere. I'd say it can be found in every single aspect ever. It just depends on where you look kind of thing. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. Yeah, (laughs) amazing. Has that also got to do with something? So I've heard that scientists, um, they're using an enzyme, an enzyme called like pet taste to like break down the yeah. pet. Is that also a, like um, something like that you can like study in biochemistry? How- yes. Yeah, so like for that specific example, I have heard of it. I don't know a lot about it, but there's a yeah. in most. So it, for example, I, if you, like, you know, insulin, um, that's uh, yeah. a molecule that's used in our bodies in many important ways. So 
for a long time they couldn't figure out how to for example synthesize insulin easily and they found out the best way and this is used in a lot of way in science so you get a big vat of bacteria basically and bacteria are very good at taking molecules in their environment taking them in and making them into something else but obviously bacteria are very limited in what they can make because they're bacteria but what you can do is you can genetically engineer bacteria so that they start producing enzymes like human enzymes or horse enzymes so that if you put the right ingredients in their surroundings they'll literally take it in and make the thing that you want so i guess using enzymes which is like biology's tool is a way that you can make literally anything so that that is an example of biochemistry and yeah you could study that at university you could do your dissertation on that i don't know but yeah it's a it's a very once you start opening up doors on what you can do with fine chemistry and molecules i think it's big it opens lots of doors so yeah that's the way yeah. that insulin can be made now is in with bacteria which is quite good cheap and you just put it in and it's made how did they, how did they make it be- before how did they um, make it before I don't actually know, but I think it was very difficult. So obviously insulin can be used to treat um, diabetes. And that's one of the reasons why diabetes killed and wasn't really a disease that people could, you know, survive beforehand. They had no way of making insulin. I think they they took it directly out of dogs or something really weird, but or oh like horses. But if you're going to put dog or horse insulin into a person, that's not going to go down well. I don't know. It could be something to look into, but it's an area that's really cool. Yeah. And your dissertation was on fungal vaccines. Yes. So um, fungal diseases don't don't really affect many people that badly. So you guys, you might have heard of like athletes first stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh So like little like you can get fungal like skin infections. They're called like superficial infections. They're the most common type of fungal infections and they don't really affect people very badly. But what you can get in people with like HIV or immune suppressed diseases is you can get really bad like invasive fungal infections. So um oh, really? so yeah so people with HIV often suffer from a type of lung infection called aspergillus and you'll literally get these threads of fungus. It's pretty gross, sorry, but sort okay. of threading through your lungs. So like a fungus oh basically go in deep into your body and sort of colonize your tissues because and that is because people with HIV or cancer, your immune system is really weak. And so something that would never affect people like us would now have the power to kind of overtake your body. So I was kind of having the treatment for fungi is not very good. It's very expensive. It's very toxic because, um, and you guys probably know this, but like fungi also eukaryotic organisms. So, you know, you have us, which is eukaryotes, you know, like us plants, plants, eukaryotes. Yes. And um, animals. And then you have bacteria. Um, So fungi eukaryotes, which means that, Drugs that are designed to kill fungi may also have like bad implications on our cells. So they're not very good. So I was trying to look into potentially creating vaccines for fungi, but I I had quite a lot of issues. So for example, there's fungi all over in our environment. So you don't want to start overstimulating your immune response to things that you're going to come into contact with all the time. Um, and also people who have immune problems like HIV and stuff anyway, um, they're going to be harder to vaccinate because you need kind of a good robust immune system in order to vaccinate people anyway so that's kind of what my dissertation was on but um it was very cool but I think the thing I found was that there are a lot of like leads but a lot more research needs to be put into that area for they yeah. become possible so I've never I've never actually heard of like fungal vaccines I mean there were like of course viral vaccines yeah. um uh, is the process of, yeah is the process um of fungal vaccines kind of the same to make with uh, viral 
Or they yeah, like completely so, different? Well, there's lots of different ways. So with vaccines, you've got lots of different types. So you can take the pathogen directly and edit it a bit to make it non-pathogenic. They're called attenuated, which means that okay. you, uh, you make the pathogen very not not as harmful, but it's still going to, the key components of it are still there enough to evoke uh, an immune response. You've got peptide vaccines. So you take bits of protein from the virus or the fungus, and that's what you put in. Or you have live vaccines where you take literally the living thing, but you might take a single component of it. So um, I studied three main diseases, which is candidiasis, cryptococcosis, and aspergillosis. And they're kind of three big genre of fungi, but between each one, there's loads of different ways you can make vaccines. But there is overlap between viral vaccines, but I almost would say viral vaccines are more simple to make because more people are affected by viruses. So your, your main focus is on the normal population rather than these people with cancer or HIV who are very hard to vaccinate, obviously because their immune system. Also, you don't want to give someone a, a vaccine which you think, oh, it's fine, it's not going to harm you, and their immune system's rubbish, so actually it does. So a, a vaccine that would never harm any of us, but would harm them. So it was a really interesting topic, but a lot of loops to get through because it's not it wasn't that simple do you know what I mean they, they haven't got a clear-cut answer yet yeah that and it's still in research today as yeah well. yeah that's why I chose it. I kind of wanted to do something new so I basically looked at every single fungal vaccine that had ever been made since like the 1930s and made like a big table of them so it was just quite something quite new which I found quite exciting but that's the nice thing about university I feel like yeah. there is opportunity to explore stuff that isn't very well known about or researched about quite cool because it's, it's hard because you want to look deep into the web for all these articles but um it, there's opportunities to really feel like you're like discovering something okay. yeah where, so cool. where do you think this is going to go in the future like what do you yeah. hope and think is going to be done next with oh. yeah i don't know it definitely needs some more funding because unfortunately sometimes with science like nothing's gonna happen unless you chuck a load of money at it like it is expensive to do research and so you almost need a, a big enough demand for the vaccine so it, it depends it, it depends whether fungal treatments get better if fungal treatments get better maybe there won't be as much demand and if some of these diseases can um, start increasing in severity because you get a bit like you get antibiotic resistance there's also emergence of antifungal resistance so um like the pills that you can take for like candidiasis, like athletes for, or the creams, like funguses, because they're being used so much are getting resistant. So it all kind of depends. I think if if medicine for fungi improves, then I don't know how far it will go. If it doesn't, then there'll be more of an emphasis and then people might look into this a bit more. And I don't know, maybe there'll be a big discovery because it will definitely improve the lives of AIDS patients and people with cancer. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to react to that because like, Obviously, we are not affected by it. We don't have HIV um, mm -hmm. or cancer, so we don't have a weakened immune system. Yeah. But for the people that do, it must be like, because there's no actual treatment out yet. There's like, if they get one of these, um, a fungal infection, there's nothing mm -hmm. that can then um, treat them. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> There's some stuff out there, but it makes them quite sick. So it's weird because it's, it's something probably people don't really ever think about. Um, but these these invasive infections can be pretty horrible. Um, mm. And like you can get them in your blood as well. It's not very nice, but um, and they're quite common found in like hospital settings. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to think it's something that people probably don't ever think about. But um, yeah, so that's why I wanted to look into it. But I do think it's nice that there is like hope for people with HIV that one day there may be a cure to all of this. 
Yeah, exactly. Because I think the with HIV, the HIV targets your immune system. So it targets a it infects and kills a type of immune cell. So usually people with HIV, they don't they don't die of the HIV itself. They die of called secondary infections. So that can be uh, bacterial infections or fungal infections. But yeah, it's it's so now obviously there is treatment that um, suppresses the HIV, allows people to live with HIV, like antiretrovirals. It stops the HIV from replicating, but it's also nice to focus on treatment for the secondary infections that are also harming people. So how do these fungal vaccines like actually work? So on like um, the molecular level, how would they um, stop the the fungus from spreading around the body? So there's lots of ways. So treatment usually antifungal treatment sort of um it can do lots of things so it can stop cell replication it can punch holes through um the cell wall cell membranes and cause like cell leakage so that's how the treatment works but obviously you don't want that to happen to our cells so that's where but um the the fungal vaccines it's all about training your immune system to kill the fungi before it harms you so so for example like with let's take a peptide vaccine so that's taking a protein that you usually find in a fungus and putting it into you as in a vaccine form so your immune cells will see this as sort of like a foreign invader and they will bind to this protein see it foreign and then create an immune immune response against it but also create what's called immune memory so it means that if you were ever to interact like come into contact with the, the the, the thing in real life you've already got these immune cells like these memory cells that can like are ready to fight if you kind of see it like a little army it's it's yeah. introducing the protein to your body thinking hmm foreign invader creating this little army against it so that when you come into contact with it you're almost ready and you can kill it straight away before it makes you sick obviously this is a bit hard if you are suffering from a disease where your immune system is weak. Um, there are other things around this. You can like amplify uh, your immune signal. So your immune system sort of communicates as a big network. Um, so you can use molecules as almost like signals to get it fired up. So there are things that can help enhance your immune system, but what you want to be careful of is not triggering this army into everything you're coming into contact with in the environment. So yeah. that's where you can see where it's going. It's kind of like a loophole, which is why you almost need like a scientific breakthrough to kind of overcome. Yeah. There are little ways that could be looked into. So it's it's just like helping your immune system or like maybe using those signals to amp it up more before you get sick with the fungus in the first place. If not, there are those treatments I talked about, but yeah, they're not they're not amazing. They're not that great. Are there um, antibodies for fungus? Yes. Um, Oh, I thought it was just for um, viruses and uh, yeah. No. So, um, so a, a specific type of immune cell, it's called a B cell, is responsible for producing antibodies. And antibodies have loads of, of different purposes. So, obviously, they're a protein, they're a Y-shaped protein. So, if if let's say I've I, I've had this vaccine, I've got some immune memory. So, what happens is um, the the protein that we were talking about comes in. Um, the B cells bind to it kind of take note of it and then they will produce these antibodies which are a perfect fit for this protein so when the real fungus comes in um your b memory cells are sort of fired up produce this antibody rapidly so you're not producing these antibodies all the time a few of them may float around but um it's when you come into contact with the real thing they're sort of fired up and then these y-shaped proteins the antibodies can bind to the fungus and that and what it does so um antibodies you can get them to viruses bacteria everything so they've got like different properties. So like they can bind to bacteria and sort of all stick together and make this sort of mesh. So effectively you're just clumping all of the fungal proteins, 
cells, bacterial cells, whatever the antibodies for, you can clump them together, which makes it much harder for them to float around your body causing damage. Um, they act like a signal so they can take white blood cells over to them. They're called phagocytes so that you can like gobble it up. So there's loads of different ways. They, on viruses, they bind to it. They do the same thing or they, they can mark um, fungal cells for like cell death. So they're amazing protein considering that this is another thing I find cool about biochemistry. That's a single protein and it can do so much and it can also be used in signaling. So basically it's an immune protein which has so many powers, but it can be used to yeah trap the, the pathogen bring your immune system towards it. So yeah, there's, you can get antibodies to um, fungi as well. And that can be a way that, again, that your immune system is sort of ramped up and ready for this, um, for the pathogens come kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I've, there's such thing as plasma therapy for COVID-19. Is that, yeah. are you able to use plasma therapy for fungal, vac- uh, so, sorry, for fungal infections as well? Yeah, so I kind of, for, for COVID-19, it's basically taking a component of your blood, but you can kind of use that broad avenue and it's called passive vaccination. So maybe you you vaccinate, you prime a healthy person's immune system so you get it all ready. And yeah, technically you probably could transplant some of that immune system from the healthy person into a, um, into a person that's sick with HIV or cancer. So yeah, that is an avenue. That's sort of like one of the solutions that I found in the end, like maybe if you can't vaccinate these people who are ill with HIV or cancer, maybe you could vaccinate a healthy person and see if you could move some of that across. But um, usually taking blood plasma is a bit easier, but maybe taking other components of the immune system is a bit more invasive procedures. So it's definitely something to look into, but obviously taking blood out of people is, and vaccinating them and all this stuff is, is quite difficult. It's, it's, it's expensive basically, but you know, that's definitely an option that you could look at. What's, what's the most challenging or like difficult part of making these vaccines and well, in fungal vaccines, just what you're doing in general? Um, it's probably, so the research obviously to start off with is challenging just because you're, you're, pre- you're presented with a blank piece of paper and you think, where the hell do I look? Which part of the fungus are you going to focus on the vaccine? And also you're going to look as well at making in these vulnerable patients so patients with HIV or cancer or things like that you have to be very careful that you're not vaccinating them with something that as I said you might think is fine and actually could make you ill because you haven't attenuated it enough which means you haven't removed that pathogenicity enough so there's a challenge of it's called vaccine reversion and there have been cases of it in history not in fungal vaccines but in vaccines in general where I can't remember maybe it was plague or something something like that I can't actually remember but they gave people the vaccine thinking it's fine and it was like a a less pathogenic version and then it reversed it mutated back to the pathogenic form so that is something you really want to avoid so that could be quite a challenging part and I guess also like just being able to evoke that strong immune response from these people that are suffering from HIV or cancer um it's hard and you don't want to have to keep vaccinating people once a month um and you know, you want to have a strong vaccine that works, but doesn't make people ill. So not too strong. And also a vaccine that, yeah, so just, it, there's a lot of, it's like a fine balance, I'd say. Um, and so, yeah, good enough to work, not good enough, not strong, too strong to like evoke allergic reactions and stuff like that. So it is difficult and just making it stay, really. What do you, what do you think will happen if someone was given like a faulty vaccine of, of, well, something that can spread really easily and then it mutates into something even worse. Um, unfortunately, 
there's not a lot you can do where where it's happened in history and it's very rare like I'm massively pro-vaccines like I don't want anyone to think I'm being anti-vaccine vaccines are amazing and great and they are I think one of the best scientific discoveries ever but um in the past when it has happened it's very very rare all you can do is quickly get the treatment out like with most diseases vaccine is preventing and treatment is curing so a massive apology first and then quickly going out and treating these illnesses before they get too bad but um it is rare but if it happens this is why though things go through so many years of trials i know with the covid vaccines a bit different but um they have put in probably like 10 times the amount of hours and people so and they've tested it on 45,000 people so i'm not too worried about that but most vaccines go through a few years of trials and it's just and they test it on everyone so first they'll test it on the normal population and they'll test it on people prone to the disease and like work their way down and they have to make sure it's good with everyone but yeah if that ever were to happen just got to get treatment out quickly but it's very rare and um, because they are so careful with these trials and that's why so much research goes in like if you were to release a fungal vaccine chances are it's probably gone through 20 years of research before it ever comes out because they do need to be so safe right how um expensive is it to if we if they came up with um a fungal vaccine that like is really good how expensive would it be to mass produce it oh god well the research itself is really expensive uh um, i don't know to be honest but what what usually happens is people come out with an idea and they patent it so it means um, they like, copyright it and then it usually gets bought up by one of the big pharmaceutical companies so um unfortunately science is really expensive but that's why you get you get what's called grants from the government or from scientific organizations or charitable organizations which allows people to do the work so getting to the idea itself is already really expensive and then once you have that idea let's say someone found one it then would be up to the pharmaceutical company to buy that idea and start producing it and then they'll have to sell it for a profit because at the end of the day the pharmaceutical companies are a business um but that's why healthcare is so expensive i think and then after a few years um things always get cheaper because you get better at making it, but the process becomes more efficient. And um, yeah, so like things will, things are always really expensive when they come out and that can be anything from like cancer treatments to anything. Then after a few years, they start to die down, especially as the patent starts to run out as well. But yeah, I'm not sure, but expensive basically. Excellent. Cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, um, Stacey, do you want to ask your um, second question then? Well, you have talked about this a bit, but how could biochemistry be useful in like improving the world and other ways? So I think- so I think it's like gen- general, because yeah, like we kind of talked about the vaccine. The vaccines. Um, I think in so, so many ways, I think biochemistry is one of the most important fields of research and discovery right now, because it can be used to pretty well, I think, in any ways. For example, take right now, the people making the COVID vaccine is, that's biochemistry, and that would be something that saves everything, our social lives, our economy, our mental health. So that's one way. Um, and just in healthcare in general, but... Um, think biochemistry could also be used in like things like the environment as I mentioned like for example farming is one of the biggest industries which produces greenhouse gases and basically um, nitrous oxide is a gas that is 300 times more like damaging than carbon dioxide and is also damaging to the ozone layer and what happens is when you put fertilizer on the soil there are certain bacteria within the soil that will take that nitrous oxide and like um sorry take nitrogen and convert it to nitrous oxide um so basically what you can do is find chemistry ways or like biochemical ways within the bacteria to prevent them from um, producing this nitrous oxide so that's some things and you can also use it in they're trying to discover it to make like new fuels like split water to use hydrogen as a fuel instead so I think just every way possible that you could think of I think biochemistry could be used just science in general to be honest is like just 
genetically editing things and just changing things could like have so many avenues like it's like a deep hole to go into um but yeah and even in things like like people's health like exercise and diet you could even analyze that at the biochemical level to produce like improve people's well-being and stuff like that so I think just every way like and that's if you went on to study something like this that is you can go down all these different pathways but I know at least from my university year the research people are doing and like people that have gone on to do masters and PhDs um the things that they're discovering is absolutely amazing and technically all of them can be used to be counted as improving the world around us so sorry that was quite a vague answer but and that's like so what, many ways I never I never knew biochemistry could um, be involved in so much of our world um yeah and use so much to help so many people that's yeah, yeah. No, it's cool I think it's been it's, it's not very people don't really know what the word biochemistry means like even when I was looking into this yeah. degree, I, was like, I was like what does it mean but it literally just means studying the chemistry of like everything and like uh and like the biological reactions but that can just be used in any way like I did modules in my third year on like drug design which was really cool uh, or like yeah um environment stuff so it's, it's it's very broad it just basically means that you're zooming in on the science but you can be used to study literally anything that's so cool yeah. Finit do you want to ask your um question then well would you recommend people studying this what would you recommend that people go out to, to university study biochemistry for um yeah absolutely like definitely I think it's a very broad degree um something like natural sciences is a bit more broad so you, that means you can study maths and the three sciences but biochemistry I really like because it's broad but you it's still quite um specific so I absolutely would recommend studying it because I think there's just like a niche for everyone you need to have a bit of like a passion for chemistry and biology there's no point studying it if you're like I hate science like don't do that but if you do like science definitely like you can study anything from ecology to immunology to like physical and medicinal chemistry like I did modules on like bee behavior but I also did modules on the immune system and drug design and then I did modules on like energy and kinetics and I think yeah the beauty of it is you can just choose anything you want to learn about especially as like at a big university like Exeter they have so many modules that you can pick from um, the only bad thing I say about it was that there wasn't a lot of maths when I was there but I know they're changing this now like Exeter is changing it so that there's more maths in the course because even if you're a biologist maths is really important um, mm. yeah there's literally options to study anything you want um, and yeah it's that broadness but that specificity as well so yeah I definitely recommend um, studying it and it also sets you up with loads of skills to be honest like I'm my job that I'm going into for next year so I'm on a gap year right now but um is actually finance so even though the university will encourage you to do that go down that research route because it is really interesting like it's just a degree that sets you up with loads of different skills so it develops your writing skills your analytical skills your presenting and communication skills so it's very attractive to employers you can literally go into anything you want and I'm thinking so I'm going into um working for a big finance company but I think maybe after this I might go back to biology or biotech or biochemistry and do sort of finance or investment for science is kind of what I want to do I just want to get trained up at a finance company first so like it, there's so many different options so I think it's a very well-rounded degree what so that's really cool how did you wh when did you decide to take biochemistry and also what a levels did you um do Okay, yeah. so I did um, maths, further maths, biology and chemistry. So I originally was actually going to do a maths degree and then I wanted it to um, be, I just wanted to do something a little bit more interesting. To I'm not saying that maths isn't interesting, <laughs> but I just wanted something with a bit more like substance. But um, yeah. I don't know, I kind of, with my A-levels, I was thinking maths or natural sciences or biochemistry. And in the end, I just, I don't really know. I just 
really liked how broad it was and how I looked at the different universities, different courses. And I was like, I really like the modules that Exeter gave. Um, so yeah, I kind of fell into it. I think in a lot of things in life, sometimes you just fall into it. I, I loved science and maths. That was definitely my kind of subjects. And I thought, what can I do these A-levels? And I kind of fell into it, but I'm definitely very glad I did. Um, but when I was young, when I was that young, I was like, I do not know what I want to do. So I, I'm not going to lie to you. Part of me just fell into that. But no, it was, it was very great. I feel like it's really hard when you're young though to know what degree to do you're not told a huge amount about it at school you're just kind of told like these are the core subjects you do um so it is really difficult and I definitely found it difficult but um yeah I guess it's just like researching reading all the degree programs and seeing that there's actually so much out there that you can do and it's not just like cool sciences bang 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 but yeah, yeah. did you um so because we're coming up to our GCSEs now um did you take triple sciences like all three for GCSEs or um, did you just no yeah I did uh yeah I, I don't know I I I didn't very like English very much at school but I I did like languages like French and Spanish like to be honest when I was doing my GCSEs I knew that I was good at maths and science but I wasn't really like set yet but um I always found it very interesting physics I found a little bit less interesting I'm not going to lie to you but I think that's just because I found it more like abstract but I have done a few physics modules at university now and I'm like I probably should have like thrown myself into that a bit more but um yeah no I did triple science but I, I was still not I didn't know I was going to be like a scientist yet um That's at that cool. age so there's still hope guys so, maybe I don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is kind of backtracking but say some patient came to you with some really bad fungal infection what would you be your first steps to counter this to help um it kind of depends what type of person they were so like people like you and me can still get quite bad fungal infections um and by the time you have the infection it's it's a bit late to vaccinate and also there aren't any vaccines out at the minute so I guess it would just kind of be like starting on that treatment and there are they're called azoles the type of treatment that people go to straight away like most one for like the type of fungal infections people like you and me be getting, you would be taking fluconazole. So I do a course of antifungals like that, but in people with really, really bad infections that maybe might be antifungal um, resistant, you kind of have to go in with three different types of antifungals. So you've got, um, yeah, the azoles and there's two more types and one of them is, is quite harmful, but I guess it depends on the severity of infection. You'd always try with that first route first on the fluconazole and then you'd look at other treatments. But um, people like you and me, we'd be fine. It'd be the people with, uh, immunocompromised you call them with a lower immune system that'd be a bit more worried about but there is treatment out there it's just not great so you just kind of have to kind of bombard people with it but it's it can be a bit toxic sometimes but um few, like in this country not many people die from fungal infections like uh, maybe a few um but it's it's actually more of an issue in um countries which don't really have that treatment readily available um in countries where HIV is quite high so like I like uh in in the continent of Africa I know that it's a bit of an issue which is sad but um yeah so I guess it's just getting that treatment sorted as quickly as you can what kind of jobs can you get using it what it from biochemistry yeah yeah so uh literally anything as I kind of said like like anything you want so people go on to do if you want to do research properly you probably need to go get a master's or a phd probably master's minimum so a lot of like for example people in my cohort a lot of people are going on to do masters and in these masters you you kind of specify even more so it wouldn't just be a biochemistry masters anymore it would be a masters in something where you're working with a certain professor on some research so like 
marine biology masters or like immunology masters neuroscience masters do you know what I mean so you specify again so people do stuff like that but I know people that go in to do even like law conversions they go into like medicinal law or yeah people like me who go into finance people that go into banking people that go into the military people who go on to do literally anything because for example like we, we're just taught a lot so there is still a lot of writing in biochemistry like that's that was the bit I found the hardest, I think. Like, I didn't do any written A-levels, but I did do EPQ, which you do in sick form, which is, like, an essay type, uh, type of thing. But um, there's a lot of writing. There's a lot of analysing data. There's a lot of stats. You've got to present. Like, I had to present to a whole lecture theatre people about five times because you're like, right, we're doing this project. as This is part of your module. And you, so, like, you develop those talking skills. So, as I said, like, it's, it kind of just sets you up to do anything. And because it's quite a hard degree, like, it is hard. It's really interesting, but it's challenging. Um because it's a hard degree people like it's well respected because it shows that like if you've done well at it as well shows that you've sat there and you've really like thrown yourself into something so literally anything you want if you want to go into science it's a great degree if you want to go into like financey stuff it's great and yeah you can always go on and retrain a bit like the law thing I talked about like if 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 it's given you that kind of sciencey background that you like but you want to do something different and great like what I realized from saying at uni is that you can always go on and study again and you can go on and study more something different or something more in depth so yeah literally anything so so I am not a massive fan of English and creative um like writing and comprehension so how's how much writing do you have to do is this like in all degrees or in most degrees anyway do you have to do like a whole writing section yeah to be honest, with any dissertation, so that's my dissertation was about 12,000 words. So that's a lot of uh-huh. writing. But but what you'll come to realise is, is, is scientific writing is very different from creative writing. So like it's very factual. It's less of that flouncy language. And it, yeah. it's a style that you develop. So you, especially from like reading scientific articles, if you think about it, all the articles that are written on any of the journals and magazines, like someone's got to write them. Um, usually if you submitted a scientific paper, like if you did your own research, it then goes on to review and someone who's actually good at writing would then go and have a little edit. But so you don't have to be amazing. Uh-huh. But um, okay. they have whole journals, which is the thing that you publish a scientific article in. Have this whole team of people that help you with the writing stuff, so don't worry. But no, there's a bit, and you've got to write essays. But in, it's not like it's not English essays. Like if an English person read my essay, they'd probably be like, "What language are you speaking?" <laughs> they one probably wouldn't understand a word of it, and two, they'd be like, "This is rubbish." But it, so don't worry, it's not. It's a different kind of writing, and it's a writing that kind of writing that they teach you to do, and that you pick up from reading science. But it's. It's not like flouncy writing. It's just very to the point. So it's fine. You don't have to be some Shakespeare. Um, and they do help you. Do you know what I mean, they, they teach you with everything that you learn at uni. Um, people come from all over the countries, from all different types of schools. So in your first year, they try and get everyone up to the same level and they help you. They're like, I hadn't written in years. And I was like, ah, but it was fine in the end. I still got like a first on my dissertation, even though I cannot write. So it's, don't let it put you off. And like, yeah, in most degrees there is writing. Maybe maths, there's be less, but... I know all like natural sciences degrees and stuff. There's gonna be writing and everything because when you discover something, you've got to be able to write it down, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you so much. That's like all, that's all our questions. We got through it yeah. all. That's so good. Thank you so much Imogen for agreeing to, for this interview and answering our questions. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you for talking to me. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on our Twitter and Instagram at The Slightly Sci and The Slightly Scientific Podcast. And be sure to have a slightly scientific day. Bye.